You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 12, New Horizons. Gabriella, Day 5 of Friga, Midwinterfall, 1884. This second day of Harry's visit slid surreptitiously by Penny. If she were pressed to describe the sensation, it would be how she imagined first making love to someone you truly connect with. Time would at once stand still as every interaction took on a profound new meaning, and simultaneously it would dance by so quickly that hours would disappear in the blink of an eye. She knew she loved talking to this woman, and how when they had said goodbye the night before, she had found herself counting the moments until they could be in one another's company again. And this was perfectly acceptable. Women had unromantic friendships all the time. She wasn't betraying Cal. Harry nourished her with every word. They ate at a quiet plaza. A few curious heads turned their way as Harry reacted to the foodstuffs Penny placed before her. Some were a little too strong or intense for Harry's expectations, but she soon found herself combining flavours and eating as though the concept was new and compulsive. Penny took her then to Ganny's workplace, as promised, and a tension began to knot in the Elaine's stomach. He was her best friend. Was she betraying him by enjoying Harry's company this much? They had not spoken, not properly, not warmly, for the length of an entire season. They had done the bare minimum of remaining in contact, and why was this? Because of Cal's proposition, or because of her own reaction to it? Had she lost him? This would be the acid test. But could this ruin things with Harry before they had even begun? Begun to what? And before she could backpedal, the doors were opening and she was wheeling her new friend in to meet the old. The room was lit by the strip lighting on the workbenches, blue and purple. It threw strange shadows across the ceiling as the beams bent around each corner of the various armaments on display. Ganny was working on something large and imposing in the middle of the room. He turned to see the two ladies approaching and pulled up his welding goggles. Behind him, Attar cast his eyes skywards and harumphed, burying himself into the periphery. Hi, she said meekly, holding out a folded brown paper bag. He took it with his mechanical hand and inspected the contents. Fire chestnuts! Thank you. And who might you be? I'm Harriet Arlington. Uh, do you mind if I take a look at your arm? This was forward, and Ganny was a little surprised. He crunched down a chestnut nervously, savouring the dry and exotic heat. It's beautiful, Harry remarked, pulling her new hood back. Well, in that case... He crouched to proffer the arm to be examined, whilst looking at her ears quizzically. You know, Cal's working with those people from the other... You're... an interdimensional being? I've been asked to show her around. We're going to construct some custom lower leg prostheses. I'm... <clears throat> Ganymede Farron. And it is a pleasure, Harriet. You want to see what I'm working on? He gently pulled the arm away from her admiring hands. Yes, please. I used to work in a place like this, too. Back in my world. Ah... A fellow tinker. Did you ever make anything like this? He drew back the tarpaulin from the giant figure that stood beside them. Harry gasped. 
What is that thing? We call it a crystal knight. Is it armor? Not exactly. You have to operate it with... Well, if you've seen what Penny can do already, then you're familiar with these crowns, right? Harry nodded as he tapped the one on the left side of his own forehead. Then imagine a whole bodysuit that you wear to remotely control this mechanical knight. It's a whole new way to wage war. They target machinery and buildings rather than troops. With a well-trained pilot, you get all of the tactical advantages and fewer casualties. Harry had glazed over. Ganny chewed a chestnut thoughtfully. Is uh, she okay? Yes, she has these spells. Penny crouched down beside Harry to study her, then glanced up at Ganny. I was told by her sister to just let them happen. She's thinking very deeply in there. I had a favorite... <clears throat> I had a favorite aunt who had something similar. She taught me my first lessons in robotics when no school was interested. Got me my sponsorship. Harriet might still be able to hear us. I know Auntie Kay could. I remember her. We went to her house together once. I think I got lost crawling through the back hedges. She found me by calling out and asking me to describe what I could see. That was her. You were a lot more adventurous back then. I'm sorry I haven't called. I could have called you too. It was all just... Penny searched for the words. Too much, too fast. But not disagreeable, I swear to you. It wouldn't have bothered me so much if it had just been impossible and preposterous. And... And I suppose that sense of possible has to count for something, surely. Ganny was about to respond when Attar stepped in. Taking another half-day lunch break, are we, Renwick? Who's a chatterbox? Pleased to meet you, said Harry out of nowhere, focusing on Attar and offering her hand to shake, the way Ganny had. Attar obliged, stiffly. I'm Harriet Arlington, uh, a visitor from another world. Might be an idea not to just announce that to everyone you meet. You're liable to end up on a lab table. I was just admiring Ganymede's crystal knight here. Seems like the design is versatile enough for all kinds of adaptations. She's bold as brass, isn't she? <laughs> as industrial espionage goes, it is at least more direct than most tactics. <laughs> yeah. Could I get some new legs like those? She was looking them up and down. Uh, this is not wearable tech at the moment. Just hypothetically. You'd need to start from the ground up. Those legs aren't hollow. There's all sorts of gears and pistons and servos in there. And even if you could wear a set like these, they'd be very heavy. You'd need to be a prime physical specimen in terms of strength. Interesting. Harry placed her eye to the brass tube and drew in a long breath as she was borne up into the night sky. The stars were closer now and seemed so clear she could almost reach up and run her fingers through the lights. Look up on the left there. You see that very bright golden one? Yeah, I see it. That's Luminia. Penny breathed with hushed reverence. Beautiful. It is our past and our future. 
A long, long, awfully long time ago, a piece of that planet broke off during the cosmic dance taking place out there in deep space. And that piece hurtled through the galaxies, passing every other planet along the way, journeying through the blackness for eons, with only the other distant stars for company. And then, on one dark night, our world was lit up like the midday sun, and that piece of Luminia landed upon our surface. And it fragmented off into thousands, millions of little tiny pieces, each of them carrying some of that light and energy. And those fragments rained down upon our world. From that night onwards, we were changed. The entire course of history was altered. And had it passed us by, who knows how close to the mechanics of your world we would operate. But it didn't pass you by. No, it did not. They were now out on the observatory balcony, looking up at the totality of all creation. A cool breeze ruffled Penny's hair as she looked into Harry's bright eyes, so eager to learn new things. There was a time when the bigger deposits of crystal were worshipped as tears of the sun goddess Solarian. We knew they were special, we just didn't know why. And it took us a small eternity to work out how to unlock the energy within. But when we did, when those scientists of yesterday, starting with Nadia Kerouac, developed their theories and practical testing, suddenly our world changed yet again. And powering its heart was crystal physics. Harry watched all the twinkling lights out there in the city of Gabriella, and thought of the legs she had worn yesterday and the glowing little yellow gems that drove them. Maya South Sea followed in Karak's footsteps, and from an orange rock she found buried in her garden, that would by all rights have been on display in a museum as a relic of the past, she figured out how to heat her home for all three seasons straight. And then, after Maya inspired many other physicists, it was Lantana Dupont who was the first to connect her mind to powered stones. It's her work that inspired me to become a crystal physicist. We're studying and learning all the time. And the further we go, the more we can do with them. So, if that rock lasted three seasons, I'm guessing they run until they're inert? No energy is infinite. And eventually, when we have converted it all into motion or heat or sound, each crystal would become a dull obsidian rock. This made Harry think of the orb which Abigail had touched the last time she saw her, which had gone from swirling royal blue light to deep black as it emptied itself into her frame. What are you going to do when they all run out? That's the great question, isn't it? Most of our wars now are fought over the mining of sizable deposits. We may not have been able to use the crystal until recently, but they have been a part of our world for so long that they have had a clear effect on our physical and mental evolution. Penny ran her fingers over the orange and green stones and set in the tactile resonance glove that she had forgotten once again to take off after work. If you think about it, you, Standers, I mean to say you and your kind, are living proof that we would be different without this one key cosmic incident. And that means our fate is tied unavoidably, inexorably to the crystals. When their power is gone, 
She caught herself growing overcome and took a moment to compose and get the words right. <sighs> Our world is slowly, gently dying, passing into a final winter. On some subconscious level, I feel we have accepted that. This is why we don't consider it the last place we shall dwell. It is the land and sea we live upon, but some of us, many of us, believe we are destined to travel beyond it. Harry looked up at Luminia, glinting in the far darkness. You want to go home? Penny nodded, gazing at her intently. See? She said softly. You understand us already. You have been listening to episode 12 of Stone Spring Maidens, New Horizons. Written, edited and directed by Alexander Shaw. Penthesily Renwick, performed by Theo Lee. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Ganymede Ferron, performed by Felix Quist. Atar Rubens, performed by Orion Richardson. Narration by Alexander Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Still, composed and performed by Ross Bugden. Frost Waltz, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes, including Orbital Platform and Starship Medical, by Tabletop Audio. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest, Panther Soul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time Plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. Mm -hmm.